Amakwini Togozani Emakosini. Ikamalam Guzi Poagokdolamo Elogukula Gumai Shome. Ba Utanda Ungan Biza Gokumai Shome Oganya Gokunazu. Bendizo Tanda Utata Eli Tuba, Ditsama Kushekuzo Zonga is surely as in Dipeteo as Pagatikum Zimbawam, and Libeleo Oganya Engas Bizang and Goku Zinga Kumbis Kalikis. Dikalengotamakusha. Emma Bileni, M. Olanga, Olambulo, Kunda, or Vapi, or Nanda Pagani Sanda Tamakusha. The Tamakushe, Emma Zizini, Olamienum Dadela, or Binoboya. The Tamakusha Combatano Cosibe, Dinga Wali Belanga, Mampinga, Owawa, Opolo Gosh. Tamakusha Christmas and Pesce, Lelias and Begi Pele, and Clog on the Chocutiano Zengele, Unongo Setan Sichon Tamakush. Tamakushe Christmas, so tall on Langisa. Tamakushe Kotida on Wangule. Tamakushe Kusuelas and Fundus are Opagamasitlozi. Jal on Togos is a Kubaba Wam, Umam Dambok and Lango, Tangi Togos a Coco, Togos is a Kukum Kuluami, Umapizi, Gama Hoto, Diti Bayeta Makosa Makul, Makose Zizwe, Yatamakosha. Togozani and welcome to episode 9 of Gogo Have I Been Scammed, brought to you by Times Live. On this platform, we discuss, share wisdom and raise awareness on all things traditional African spirituality, including but not limited to scams. My name is Gogo Zipotolamo and I am your host. For a short while, my producer and I have been in conversation about Ilozi and space. Um, for context, there seems to be a general consensus within our indigenous knowledge systems that one cannot pasha or communicate with their ancestors in spaces that they do not own. For example, spaces that they rent in or spaces that they are even currently paying a bond for, right? The idea is that the space is not yours, so it tends to be a bit more confusing for Abandabadala, Ilozlako, or your guardians. Um, and that is that is the general consensus currently in popular culture. And I will say I don't necessarily agree with it. And I will have to borrow a little bit from my own personal context just to give you or to shed some light as to why I don't agree with this particular perspective. So for a little disclaimer, right, um, much of the story and much of this narrative is made available on my column in the Sowetan, which publishes every alternate Monday. Um, for access to, to previous publications, you can simply go onto the Sowetan Live website and on the search bar, you can type my name, Zipo Dolamo, and all of the publications should pop up. Okay, so for those who haven't had time to sort of engage with the publications, I can give a little bit of a context. Um, so my journey sort of started when I was a student, somewhere in postgrad. I was uh, at the university currently known as Rhodes, or the university still known as Rhodes, where I also incidentally met my producer, um, Utemi. I remember it must have been around 2018, I took a, a break to visit my maternal family after sort of being very inundated with dreams and, you know, physical ailments, some traces of mental illness and so forth, right? 
I met with my my first Kobela, my then Kobela, and she gave me, you know, we interacted, we had a ritual here and there um, to sort of symbolize that I, I will do this journey and I sort of can't do it right now because I'm finishing my studies. And she taught me different ways on how to engage Namanda Badala. Um, she taught me how to engage using imbe, poor using candles and using different types of plants as well, different prayers, what to say, how do I speak to Abanda Badala respectfully, what order do I summon Abanda Badala, things like that, that would eventually form part of a, a crucial base for Mang Twaza, because when I eventually had to go into initiation school, some of this foundational knowledge was there already, um, again, having been taught on 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 that little um, journey that I'd gone on at that time. So I remember my my Kobela was Kosa giving me um, these candles, giving me Imbepo. And I remember explicitly um, being told that I can use Imbepo and I can use Imbepo um, and I can use my candles rather in the different places that I occupy and the different places that I live in, uh, given that my landlords or landladies and whoever I live with doesn't have a problem with it and it is not a problem within the space um it doesn't sort of uh, cause sort of a, a tension with the beliefs of the people that I live with or that I live in the spaces of so it, that for me was was made very explicit I remember I remember jokingly saying that you know I live on like I live on a white man's property. At the time, I was living in a garden cottage on someone's property, you know, being a student in Gramstown. And I remember my my landlords were not very concerned about what I was doing. Um, for example, for, for as long as I wasn't, wasn't setting their place on fire or, you know, doing very overtly disruptive things. But I didn't think that that would be a problem for me. And so the issue of Ogupasha and having or living with people that are not tolerant of that kind of practice was never an issue for me. It was also never made to overtly be an issue, Yoguti. Um, you know, I can't pass that in, 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 in a rented space. So I, I never navigated my Rosi like that. I never navigated Ilozi Moguti. There are certain spaces that I cannot speak to Ilozlam Kona, and there are certain spaces that I can. And and that for me has informed that kind of understanding and that kind of um, that kind of ethos and practice, um, even in how I instruct people who come to me for consultation or who come to me for um, some kind of counsel or advice, is that I do not think that Ilozi is unable to, um, or rather, we are unable to communicate to with Ilozi in rented spaces or in, in places that we do not own, that we do not hold the title deed for. Because I do not think that it was, is confined by space and place. I, I disagree, which is which is quite opposite to what is made available to us in popular culture. And I suppose because we come from different walks of life, we understand it was differently and we understand the workings of ancestry differently. But again, in popular culture, the, the ethos is that, or the idea is that you can't pass that in these spaces. And as it happens, uh, we want to unpack this validity or the validity of that claim here today. Um, and as it happens, one of our gracious listeners 
reached out to us with a similar concern. Toza Koko Zipo, my name is Tabo Shabalala. My question is um, around ancestors visiting a, a rented place. So I've seen various um, healers on, on different platforms talk about how ancestors um, don't reside in, in, in rental spaces. And most of us, you know, we live in rented spaces. We don't, we don't really own a house. And is it true, Wuti Vele, they don't visit um, or they don't enter a homestead that is rented? Rather, they enter a place where... Um, you have bought the house, or does this vary uh, with your, with how your ancestors operate? Uh, secondly, the importance of having, you know, Amadlozi where you are and and where you live, you know, just just around that, the importance of that, and you know, how does um, how does one go about um, inviting Amadlozi whether it's rented or whether you've bought the place. I know one of the examples is Ugupatla, but are there more ways to invite Amadlozi to come into your space? Joining us in the co-construction and dissemination of indigenous knowledge is Goko Dombiananzi. Welcome, Goko. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, um, Demi Zipo. First of all, um, I just wanted to ask you a question just based on what you said, Zippo. When you were living in the cottage and you did your ukupasa, your bepo, did you feel that you were connecting with your ancestors? You know, that is that is a very difficult question to answer right now. And I just think because so much time had passed right or has passed rather but to the best of my knowledge there were times you know where I felt deeply connected and like I was connecting um and there were times where I felt as though I was performing the act of Ugupasa more as an administrative kind of thing okay technically all of us should be able to connect with ancestors anywhere we want. Because ancestral spirits work with the rules of nature. Mm -hmm. And rules of nature are obeyed and observed. A doorway or a spiritual gateway or a portal, if you may, will open and they can walk through and connect with you. I get so worried how African spirituality gets reduced to just the mere veneration of ancestors, whereas it's really about how you are aligned with the natural world. A lot of the times when people start invoking ancestors, start connecting spiritually, what do they see? Lots and lots of nature. They see the ocean, the mountains. They see the sun. They see all these celestial bodies. They see all these animals. Because ancestral spirits flow with nature. They are part of our natural world. So you know, Zippo, how they say, Uguti, 
um emanzin ulwandi se kail kulu lamadlus. So true. Because that's essentially where they reside. Technically, they're in the lakes, they're in the caves, in the mountains. Those ascended ones live up there in the heavens. That's where they are residing. But what is Umsamo then? Umsamo is a portal that has been created by the family where they can enter through into this world. So in your homestead, it's been probably years of Ugupatla burning in people, calling them in there. So that connection, those vibrations in that room are very powerful there. So that's why people will say that, oh, okay, Umsamo Asikaya is the Umsamo. That's where the ancestors are. It's because the doorway is just so powerful. But if you can create that sort of gateway in your space by observing the natural rules, you can connect with your ancestors. What are these rules that I'm talking about? There are literally four building blocks in nature that make up the natural world. You know the Zippo. You know that in the natural world, there's the element of earth, water, fire, and wind. Combined, they make spirit or ether. If in your space, you can combine these elements, you can literally open a pathway through which your ancestors can connect with you. So how do you bring the natural world into your space? Have water in your sacred space or your meditation space. Have plants in there. Have something that represents fire, whether it's candles. I've seen some people who do ugupat around their fireplace, right? They know that the souls, uh, uh, the souls of human beings and ancestral spirits are made up of fire energy. So fire has to be there. And they have something that represents wind or air energy. Some people have um, drums for sound. Some people have singing bowls. Some people whistle, you know. They convert all these elements of nature and they create a mini nature portal in their space. And over time, as they engage and invite their ancestors in that space, the vibrations change. That space becomes a high vibrational space where spirits that have been called can enter. Sometimes, if you have the ability, if you pass through Umsamo or Strong, you can feel electricity there. I don't know if you've ever had that experience when you walk into your prayer place and you're like, yeesh, something I can feel. For me, me, it it feels like an out of this world kind of heat. It feels like a different atmosphere. It feels just, as you said, a completely different vibration. Um, the rest of my house can be ice cold, but that one room 
is the one room that is untethered. Yes, the, the elements of nature have converged in that space and created a, a portal where you, when you are there, it just feels different. Um, how I sort of started learning about this is when I first um, opened up my Ndumba, you know, and I would walk in into this room and maybe a client would come in and they'd been going through a lot and they'd sit there and the vibrations of the space would relax them so much that they'd fall asleep. It was the craziest thing, you know? I'd be like, okay, I can feel. Some people would hear like the sounds of birds and it would feel like it's out of this world because the rules of nature were observed in this room. So technically, people should be able to connect with the spirits if they observe the rules of nature, if they bring in elements of nature into their space where they want to connect spiritually. Whether the, the space belongs to someone else or, or the space belongs to you, it doesn't really matter. The only thing that has to be observed is the elements need to be there and permission should be given to the spirit to enter. And the room should be purified. The space should be purified. Your body as well should be purified. That's how you okay. can create that connection anywhere and anytime. So I've heard you extensively speaking about the laws of nature having to be observed and so forth, right? Um, our listener then asked about how do we make ourselves, how do we locate ourselves then? So given now that we have established that ownership of space and your ability to practice are non-restricting of one another, right? Now, let's say I have moved from home and I'm now in this new space that I'm in and I want to create a little prayer space. I, I want to also locate myself. I am now here um, as of now and for the foreseeable future. What kinds of things would I then have to do to sort of locate myself firstly in this way? And also, I want you to consider the fact that uh, there is the, the idea or the implication that Ubuti to do is is to slaughter an animal of some sort, right? When there are restrictions in and around that those kinds of practices in urban areas, how do we locate ourselves? Is an animal involved? What are the things that are involved on a personal level? that I can do to locate myself? Okay, firstly, the, the slaughtering thing is a whole other discussion that would require us to consider how in ancient times, slaughtering was about bringing together the community, um, uh, feeding them, you know, and how, and and how their blessings and the enjoyment of everything they've been blessed with uh, they've been given 
would sort of like leave blessings for you. Ancestral, ancestral spirits don't expect blood to be spilled just um, willy-nilly. Like there's usually like certain really important things that would involve the spilling of blood. In this case, if you are trying to inform your ancestors where you are, it is not necessarily to spill blood. Firstly, because it's probably impossible in someone <laughs> you are in someone's yard, you know. So um, <laughs> and probably you don't believe in it. You know, some people just don't want to kill animals. You know, um, it's just it goes against what they believe in. If, for instance, you have um, a samo, you know, a sacred ancestral spray space, um, a kaya emuva, you can let them know there that okay, now you are moving, you know, you are moving and you are going to leave at some place. Uh, you'd like them to accompany you um, and to watch over you in that space. Um, they are welcome and you will be reaching out to them in that space. So yes, inform them. If, for instance, you do not have a sacred ancestral space in your homestead, go to Ekaya El Kulu. Go to the waters, right? Um, if you have water, water um, spirit or ancestors that come from the realm of water, or go to the mountain, you know, to speak to them there. If you don't have, um, if you don't have a an official msamo back home, you can go and let them know that I am going to leave now. I'm going to leave home and leave in address so and so. Please show me um, what kind of challenges or what kind of spiritual challenges I will encounter there. Guide me, accompany me, be with me in this place. I am not trying to run away. Um, just from my personal experience, one of the things that my ancestors told me, because I used to be a four-tracker, you know, I used to like move around a lot. At some point, they got frustrated and they said to me, it doesn't matter where you go, even if you go overseas. We will be there with you. So stop thinking that all this moving around is going to affect how we stay with you. And that was such an eye-opener. That was such a, an eye-opener. I was like, okay, so they are with me all the time. They are with me. So Rosani Boko, you know... I think you've said something or two things rather that are very important, right? And that is the idea, Yoguti, slaughtering is not always necessary, right? And I want to make reference again to, to popular culture. There's this thing that popular culture and Ubungoma in popular culture has shown us is Uguti, you know, Sangoma, you are often told you must slaughter a chicken for this, you must do a goat for this, you must there's often an animal involved more often than not. 
currently in contemporary practices of Ungoma. So I like that it is clear for our viewers, Uguti, we are not saying Uguti uh, ritualistic sacrifice does not form part of Ungoma, but we are not saying Uguti everything that you do in your personal practices in locating yourself have to do with with animals and animal sacrifice. The second thing is the idea of moving and moving abroad, right? I have had a number of clients who have come to me very concerned and very sort of having their dreams crushed in, in some way or the other, that they were planning to move overseas, maybe take a year to teach English somewhere and whatever, whatever, whatever their plans are. And they went to a Sangoma who told them that if they are in Korea or China or wherever. And I like that you say, you can be anywhere, right? You can be anywhere and they will always stay with you. And I think there is a sense of fear mongering that happens within the space, if you do not do things exactly in this way, if you do not stay in your native land or if you do not stay in your hometown or whatever, that um, and I like that you have clarified that. And I think that that is a very important thing that we need to get over as well. The fear mongering, we can't say to Abandu Uguti, if you are going to rent Sikaikai or Gupi Gupi, it was like a leak or lap. I just want to um, clarify for everybody who is listening or is going to be listening. Ubungoma is not African spirituality. Ubungoma, Ubungoma is one path that is in the space of healing. It is not the entirety of African spirituality. It is just one path that people can choose or not choose. There are many, many ways to practice your African spirituality that are beyond ascribing to the way Zabangom. So I, I often worry because a lot of people, they feel like in order to be, to practice African spirituality, they must do like Abangoma. They must slaughter. They must use um, people and is in this Abangoma. That is so not true. And one of the best examples I can give you is how Zulu people practice their Africanity, their Zuluness, without completely ascribing to everything that is done by Abango. They just have because their I... own way. It is very different, you know, from Abangoma. It's all about how um, uh, as Zulus, um, how we um, venerate our ancestry, our culture, our community, and 
our cake. And we have and sorry sorry <laughs> and we have other ways to communicate um and our own religion and all of that so um i just want to say that if people um are not connecting with the ethos it doesn't mean that they're not african african enough or they're not going to be able to connect they definitely other ways to connect spiritually without practicing like Sangomas. Or even particularly prescribing fully to what is made clear in terms of what you need to do by yes. Isangoma, right? Because I think what you've said is quite important, particularly in the context of um, Amazulu in how they practice their tradition and how they practice their um how they keep their cultural practices in line, with, or, or rather how they practice their culture, but they do not necessarily keep it in line with the prescriptions and the subscriptions made by Izangom. Um, and, yes. and I think that is a, a, a quite an important assertion and I suppose a, a conversation that we are probably going to have to have at a different time. Um, but I want to get us back into the idea of location right and making um abandme to aware of where we are going and where we are and what we intend to do right and um, why is it important that why is it important that we do that why is it important that we locate ourselves and we speak to ethosi as to where we are why we are here why why is it important for us to inform them and what could sort of be the ramifications, if any, um, should we not or should we fail to communicate? Why is it important to tell our parents anything? Why is it important to inform our living parents about our movement? Mm -hmm. Why? It's because they care for us, it's because we are likely if we get into trouble to need their help, it's because we respect them and it's because they're family. So with ancestral spirits, I find that they like to be informed about what we're doing. They like to be acknowledged. They, they like you to know that you didn't just appear out of nowhere. You come, from a bloodline that spans probably hundreds of years, thousands of years. They want you to acknowledge them. So when you're getting married, they will want you to tell them, if, even if they know they are the ones who arranged your marriage, they would still love for you to come to them and say, now I have found the one. Now I am getting married. Please bless this union. So it's closing the gap. Yes, they see things uh, without us telling them, but they would also like us to reciprocate. They get very angry if you start living like they don't ex exist. They get very angry. Thank you for that job for that opportunity they feel left out but 
people should stop being scared about ramifications. Oh, I didn't tell my ancestors that I'm mm -hmm. about will they close the opportunity? No, they just won't like you for that moment. But then, like your parents, they're likely to just forgive you. Yes. If you come yeah. back, if you come back and say, ah, I actually forgot to do this. I actually forgot to observe protocol. Please know I'm here now in the US and I can't find a man. Please help me. You know? <laughs> so people should stop being scared. All this fear mongering. I always feel like it's designed to get people to spend money they don't need to pay, to pay. Yes, I, I can totally agree with you that I suppose fear mongering is one of the things that makes scams possible within the space that we are in, because we are able to, as Izangoma, take something that is legitimately a concern for someone and really use Idlozi to fear monger and to sort of harbor a sense of fear within people. And I think that is that is definitely something that that is quite popular and that we have internalized as well as a general public that if we don't do this, or Idlos is going to do this and that and the next. Um, so I like that, you know, that you, 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 you're not saying that we should not, not be concerned about ramifications, but then should not be the thing that governs the way that we approach our spirit, our spirituality rather. Manje Goko, I want to get into the idea of giving thanks and thanksgiving, right? Um, so again, I saw something quite, uh, um, something that I, I thought was quite controversial and something that I did not agree with in the space, uh, Yobungoma, um, and practicing spirituality, I suppose, African spirituality. And that is that, you cannot give thanks or the idea that, or if I can put it in this context, this person was saying, Uguti, it is wrong to give thanks to Idlozi or to do a thanksgiving, Ubong Idlozi, for a car or a house if you're paying installment for this car and this house because those things don't belong to you. They belong to the bank. So who are you thanking? Shouldn't you be thanking the bank? So that kind of situation. And I disagree, disagree rather vehemently. I disagree a lot. And I think that Indabayedlozi is in language. Ne? Yes. Uh, it's in language. We are thanking Idlozi for, for, for empowering us to have the means to be able to pay that car installment, to be able to pay that house installment. And in Akon, now when you say this is, you know, this is the house. You don't say this is the bank's house. This is, you know, the bank's card. These are my things because I am taking account for them now. What are your views on that? Um, should we be restricting people in the manner in which they are able to give thanks for the materiality around them and the things that make their lives comfortable? Um, what are your views on that? The, the first thing that people should know is that gratitude has a certain beautiful vibration that reverberates in the heart when you are very grateful 
and it opens up even more blessings. That's one. Whether you are, you are an African spiritualist or you are a Christian, and I, I bet some people, some of the people that are saying that are people who go and give offerings in church when they have gotten cars or houses, you know. So just like you would be thankful to Jesus, it is also good for you to be thankful to your ancestors should they bless you because there's a lot of struggle in the spirit realm, a lot. Our ancestors, they go through a lot of struggles trying to help you manifest whatever it is that you manifest. So when you do not say thank you or you do not recognize the effort, it just hurts their feelings. It's always a thank you to anyone, even family members that have helped you, even friends. So why is it when it comes to ancestors, should that be restricted? It's something good. It doesn't matter if you don't own it, but it, it is something that is in your hands. You are living in the house. You are driving the car. Your life is better. Was the benefits of, of having these things in your life are palpable. You have it in however way it came. It can be through a massive bank loan, but it came. It came. So when, when they do things for you and you are sure that it came from them, why not say thank you? Please do more. I recognize the effort. Why not? Thank you so much for joining us in conversation today. I think that I had many expectations for this conversation and I am so happy and pleased that my expectations have been exceeded. Lots of knowledge. I do hope that you will graciously join us here again because I anticipate that there is much knowledge to be disseminated. Thank you so much. I don't know if you'll allow me to say one thing um, to everybody um, about... Just quickly, um, our spirituality as Africans is a beautiful dance between us and nature. Our ancestors are part of that. But we become stronger if we coexist and align with the forces of nature. Our connection to spirit becomes stronger. Our consciousness expands if we coexist peacefully with nature. It is very concerning when I see spiritualists, mystics going out there in nature, leaving things like dead chickens, their underwear, trash, all kinds of things. They are guardians of those water bodies 
of those spaces that get very mad and they will chase after you to punish you. There's nothing your ancestors can do once you anger the nature spirit. And people wonder why it's so hard to connect. We have to recognize as Africans that it is how we regard nature, it is how we coexist with nature that makes us Africans, that makes us powerful spiritual beings. There are people that have never seen the ocean. Did you know that? They've never, they've never seen a cave. They've never been to the mountains. They've never gone camping. They're just existing in, in the urban areas, packed in like a can of sardines. And yet they wonder where the ancestors are. We sort of need to open up to nature and we need to respect nature and know that there are guardian spirits in nature that are just watching everything we're doing. That's all I just wanted to say. I hope people can really think about what I'm saying. Do not, do not regard your ancestral spirits above nature. Do not disrespect and defile. That's the major problem our ancestors have with us. We are defiling left, right, and center. And it's making them so mad. And they stay back and they don't communicate. It's not the fact that you leave Mkashweni. It's because you don't have a relationship with nature. Thank you guys for inviting me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And that is it from this edition of Coco Have I Been Scammed. To share your story, please email us on scammed at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can reach out to us on social media via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under the handle at scammed. Remember that you can find our latest podcast episode on the Sowetan Live website under the podcast tab or across digital streaming platforms, including IONO FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Goko Have I Been Scammed is a Times Live production and our producer is Demi Muzo. I am your host, Goko Zipodolamo, and until next time, Chogozani, Tamakwini, Emma Kosini.